With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. High energy from the iconic voice of Esther Lynn as we welcome you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. And as we say at this time, every time the show starts... There is so much to discuss. We could do a three-hour show easily with everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts these days, but we are excited to have you here, whether it's on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you may be watching or listening after the fact as well. We thank you for joining us. UFC 261 was just ridiculous this past Saturday, filled with storylines, filled with emotion, and the UFC is back this Saturday for UFC Vegas 25. The PFL is back. They had a crazy storyline ridding card last week they're going at it again tonight bellator's back with a huge card next friday so much happening and we'll touch on a lot of that stuff this week on the program as we have ourselves a trilogy matchup a win a piece for both of our competitors and today on this very program we will have a winner who will enter the 50th episode extravaganza next week as the champion more on that at the bottom of the program but let's get this thing started and introduce the contest the contestants i'm so excited first and i'm sure he's not fully recovered from his trip to jacksonville to cover ufc 261 but happy to have mma journalists for a number of different outlets miami news the south china morning post and at least 15 others the daniel bryan of between the links the ultimate baby face the challenger mr drake riggs how are you sir I'm good, Mike. I am, uh, yeah, just about fully recovered, you know, got back on Monday from Jacksonville. Crazy time, obviously, but I'm ready to go for the trilogy, man. I got my JLP shirt on, American Gangster, undefeated, undisputed, and I'm going to do a throwback here, breaking kayfabe once again, Mike, to the off-the-cuff days. I got my Chinese warrior mask once again on hand, and uh, I think it's appropriate because I lost last week and uh, all the Chinese fighters lost as well, but... Hey, we're here anyway, so let's go. 
So we got a battle of people recovering. We have a battle of people with fight shirts on. And we have a battle for the BTL title, which is currently held by this man. He is the heel, and he evokes more emotion than anybody in the MMA media game. There's no doubt about that. Let us say hello once again to MMA Fighting's Jed Mishu. How are you, Jed? <laughs> this? I'm the heel. This is absolute nonsense. I was about to compliment <laughs> you too, Mike. You just come fired in takes like that. I am clearly the good guy in all of this because I'm a normal person and not some reject from a Brooklyn barista. Clearly the good guy here. <laughs> you literally just said last week on the show that you are the heel and you thrive upon that. So I was just building on what you said. Having an identity crisis over mind. there. <laughs> I need you to not try and hold me accountable to my words, Mike, because that doesn't help anybody. Yes, this is a week-to-week program. What happened last week was a thing of the past. This week is a new week. And let us begin with how UFC 261 ended, gentlemen. It ended with one of the best knockouts we will see in 2021. No doubt about that. Kamara Usman knocks out Jorge Mazadal in the second round with a vicious right hand. The photos that have come from this punch are legendary to say the least, but Usman was, as he stated in the post-fight press conference, he was satisfied with the result of this fight. This guy is putting together an all-time run right now. Drake Riggs, first off, there were a number of ways this fight could have gone on paper, but to see Usman close the show like that? What did you make of his performance, the fight, and were you ultimately surprised that's how the fight ended? Yeah, it was definitely surprising to see essentially, you know, a one-punch knockout. I know he had some follow-ups that really put out Masvidal afterward, but man, I expected him to finish with strikes. I thought it'd be like kind of ground and pound. Maybe he'd rock Jorge a little bit on the feet, but ultimately would get it done by pounding him out. I did not at all expect it to be just this punch where he just went straight through Masvidal. Uh, you know, never seen anything like that happen to him. Notoriously an insane chin on that guy has had so many fights and never been, you know, never been put out even close to that kind of caliber. Usman looked great as expected. Um, you know, I thought it was a little bit more competitive, obviously, because he didn't really employ the same strategy as he did in the first fight, kind of getting his grill, just grind him out, which, You know, you should still be satisfied with that one, Usman, but I get why this one's obviously a lot more satisfying. You know, being able to land what, and that might be my favorite knockout, man. Just the aesthetic of it is insane. Like, it looks like one of those silly things that you'd see in, like, a fight movie or a commercial where, like, no one ever gets punched and, like, the spit flies out like that or all the water coming off their head, but... It actually happened. This was like one of those things that they would choreograph and it just, it looks so nice and it was an incredible knockout. And uh, I think that if we were going to see something like that, we probably thought that Masvidal would be doing it. So very impressive, very surprising. Um, And yeah, Usman is, he's the champion for a reason. If you needed any other reason to believe it, uh, he disproved it here by putting away one of the most durable guys in the lightweight and welterweight divisions, you know, going back to his time, uh, Masvidal's time in lightweight too. Jed, this knockout was so crazy that not only did like the spit and the sweat fly off of Jorge Masvidal, but like he literally fell asleep on Usman's shoulder and Usman just like threw him down and landed those last punches. I mean, it was just an unbelievable finish. It was something I didn't see coming. Like Usman winning isn't a surprise. He was a massive favorite, but winning like that, certainly surprising. Your thoughts on his performance and the knockout in general. I think 
saying he fell asleep is a really gentle way to put what happened to him <laughs> because he sure didn't fall asleep. He got put down. <laughs> I mean, look, that's uh, we talked about it after the event. That is my front runner for KO of the year. Uh, it is as close to a picture perfect right hand as you could possibly get. I mean, literally at, after the completion of that punch, his shoulder is parallel to Masvidal's chin. Like he stepped so far through that thing. It's it's honestly not surprising in hindsight that it knocked him out because if you land that clean a shot on anybody, like if he landed that on Stipe, I kind of feel like Stipe is going down. That was just it was no perfect. Like it's as good a punch as maybe has ever been thrown in the octagon high praise, but I think it's totally worth it. Cause I mean, who else has done that to Jorge Masvidal? Rodrigo Dam did it uh, a lifetime ago at, I want to say Sengoku. Um, but even that wasn't the same kind of knockout, you know, Masvidal, honestly, it's actually, cause I remember watching a video of it after, after the fight happened and it's eerily similar, um, the punt, like, where that straight lands on Masvidal, but Rodrigo Dam didn't just kill him, uh, whereas Kamaru Usman is obviously a much better fighter than Rodrigo Dam and absolutely obliterated Masvidal's chin. So sensational performance, totally deserved post-fight bonus. I, it's If it's not the KO of the year, something really spectacular is going to have happened because when you factor in everything – quality of competition, what it means to his legacy, and just overall aesthetics, it's about as good as you could possibly get. So I have nothing to say other than, damn, didn't see that coming. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely up there. I think a lot of people are still pointing at Corey Sandhagen's knockover Frankie Edgar as a, as a contender there, but I think this one overall was was better and, and more devastating. But all right, so, and, and Jed, we talked about this a lot on the post-fight show. Everyone has been talking about where Kamara Usman sits in the pound-for-pound rankings, the all-time UFC welterweight rankings. We've talked about that. Clearly, at this moment, with all things considered, Habib out of the equation, Usman is the best fighter in the world right now. It is almost impossible to argue that at this moment. And I know you're thinking Francis Ngannou, but just like the overall body work, you know, the, the activity, ascent, like Usman is the man, in my opinion. We won't talk about that here, what we will talk about is the next step Usman can take to get to that GSP level to one day perhaps surpass that GSP level. He's not there yet, but he can get there. So, Jed, Usman obviously has options right now. Dana White, and from what I've seen, a lot of other people want to see the rematch with Colby Covington. I spoke with Colby on Monday, and clearly that's what he wants. There's a big one coming up in a little over two weeks. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz at UFC 262. And then July 10th, we got Gilbert Burns versus Steven Thompson. So let me ask you, do you have an answer for the who is next for Kamar Usman sweepstakes right now? Is it Colby? Or do you not have one until maybe May 16th or July 11th or maybe a date even further in the future? Dude, Colby's not getting that fight. Come on, man. We talked about this before. One, of all the fighters who have ever existed and competed for the UFC – None are as good at shooting themselves in the foot as Colby Covington is. Like, that man excels at talking himself out of title fights. So you shouldn't believe he's getting the title fight just in general. Dana Also, Dana said he was next in line, and you know my feelings on that. That means it is almost a, a ver- verifiable lock that he will not get it. <laughs> but uh, there's just a number of other better contenders. Usman doesn't want the rematch. He's been super clear that he wants Covington to get another win. Covington should get another win beating washed ash tyron woodley 
as your one win after getting jawed, knocked out by the champion. Like you need to put together a book of business. Like give me a resume that demands a title shot. I'm here to tell you, I think Colby Covington is probably the second best welterweight in the world behind Kamara Usman, but they fought. There was a definitive ending to that fight. He needs to get back on the horse and he needs more than one win over a guy who's probably next to box Jake Paul. So he's just not getting it, especially because I think we talked about this before, man. Like, why do you think Nate Diaz took a fight with Leon friggin Edwards? He took it because if he wins, he gets a title shot. If Leon Edwards wins, it's a win-win for the UFC. If Edwards does win, hey, he at least now has a win over a guy that that people know, and it becomes this like resume-building thing. Edwards is on a not he's a one-fight winning streak because of no contest, but realistically, he's he's won his last nine bouts with a little bit of a hiccup in there, and deserves a title shot. And he'll have finally gotten like a big name boost his profile win. It's going to be the winner of Edwards Nate Diaz. Honestly, it probably should be uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson if Wonderboy beats Burns, but that's 50-50, and if Burns wins. Similar to Covington, Burns doesn't get a title shot. He just lost. So the winner of Edwards uh, Diaz is going to get the title fight unless they want to get real wild with it and go Nick Diaz. Drake, what do you think? Is it Nick Diaz? Maybe we could leave him out because we're going to talk about him later, but – is it Colby, a, a fight that the UFC certainly wants? Kabara doesn't seem too keen on it, kind of no-sold it, said, how can I do it better? I broke this guy's jaw, all that. Is it the winner of Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards? Is it Wonderboy if he beats Gilbert Burns? What say you? I hate to admit it, but I pretty much completely agree with Jed on this one. <laughs> you know, I like everything he's saying. Um, you know, Colby, it's an interesting thing with him because – it makes sense for the UFC to want that because like the Masvidal rematch didn't really need to happen. I think it needed to happen even less than let's say a potential Colby rematch uh, just because Masvidal didn't even get a win when he got this rematch here, whereas Colby did. But the thing about it is the UFC always likes some bad blood, something that's kind of sexy and easy to sell to the casual viewer. They like, you know, heat animosity. Everybody loves drama. Colby Covington, whether you, love him or hate him, which usually that's kind of how people will view him. Uh, you get you get people reacting, which is what they want. And when you just look at that first fight, it really was an incredible fight. And Dana says that every chance that he gets to whenever he talks about it, that it's one of his favorite fights ever. It was undeniably an awesome fight. But Colby did get finished in that fight. It didn't go to decision, uh, despite the fact Ooh. that, you know, many people thought he might have been winning up until that point. But I don't know. It doesn't feel, it feels too soon. And like, he definitely should get another win before that. But, you know, <laughs> Jed said it best that he does shoot himself in the foot. I could see him, you know, maybe holding out depending on what happens. And if the UFC changes their minds, he holds out and then he doesn't get it. And he's just gone for a little bit, but uh, you know, it makes sense for them to want it because of all the stuff that I just said there. I think though that, yeah, I would have loved to see wonder boy be the guy to get this shot you know, just this past weekend in Masvidal's spot, I think that would have been great. A fresh matchup, somebody that uh, Usman hasn't fought yet, a very unique style for Usman to fight. And just looking at how the Masvidal rematch went, as good as Usman looked, like, 
there were some moments where he definitely overextended himself there and left him open to what I believe, you know, Wonderboy definitely would have been able to capitalize on with some of those tricky head kicks and just kicks in general that he has. So, man, that is still a matchup that I'm just dying to see. And I hope we get to see before either of them are done in their careers, probably more likely for Wonder Boy to hang him up before Usman, just because people forget he is older, despite still being a Wonder Boy uh, and, you know, has a tough task in Gilbert Burns. But in terms of what will likely happen and what definitely should happen is if Leon Edwards does get past Nate Diaz, I mean, the guy hasn't lost what since he last fought Usman, what will have been 10 fights ago if he you know gets through Nate Diaz. But um, and then if Nate Diaz, if he wins against Leon Edwards, you know, for sure that that is going to happen as well. But um, what I would go with myself, if I was in charge, would be Leon, you know, if he wins. Uh, since we already have Wonder Boy and Gilbert booked, it kind of makes things a little more tricky and you have to wait for things. And the fact that they did book that one makes you think that they will probably put together the Colby one as soon as they can, depending. I know Usman, it was a pretty quick turnaround for him. For him, he doesn't usually fight super frequently. If you look at the Burns fight to this Masvidal rematch, could see him waiting a little bit, which could then shake things up a bit um you know there's kind of a lot that needs to play out i think at welterweight but um i see colby probably will get it but it feels too soon you know i'd like to see freshness yeah i think colby will end up getting it too if nate diaz does not beat leon edwards if nate diaz beats leon edwards there's no doubt about it he's getting the title shot that's why i think they're gonna wait until that fight plays out go ahead Jen. Look- Look, Drake's right. They're, the UFC loves bad blood. Do you know the one thing Dana White loves more than bl- bad blood fights? Sticking it to Colby Covington. Like, he's just <laughs> not good with guys. It would be the first time in history that he, like, actually got a title shot when he was supposed to instead of doing something really dumb. Like, they may come out and say, yeah, we're going to give it to him. And then Covington's just like, actually, I want $30 million because that's what John's getting or what John's asking for, and I'm the president's favorite fighter. You should give that to me. Woo! And then they're like, no. Like, he's he's just not getting this fight, guys. I will – we're going to talk about it later. I will believe that Covington's going to get a title fight when I see it the same way I believe with Nick Diaz returning to the cage. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. We shall see. We got, uh, we got a couple of big fights ahead of us, so anything can happen at this point. But – uh. On the flip side, we talked about last week if a loss for Mazadal here would be catastrophic. And I think that we all agreed that because he put himself in this position following that incredible 2019 he had, becoming a big star, we didn't think that it would be because I don't think we expected the fight to end like it did on Saturday to go out and get knocked out cold before the halfway point of the fight. So, Drake, now that we have the benefit of hindsight here, did Mazadal take more of a hit in your eyes than you may have expected him to take? Yeah, I I think that it definitely hurts <laughs> to get knocked out cold the way that he did, especially being, you know, the street Jesus uh, kind of character and this guy who's just, you know, kind of a, a unique badass, you know, who's legit though and can win. Like, you know, we see a lot of people who are talk but can't back it up. And uh he's been a guy who's been able to do that, but now lost two in a row to the champion. And yeah, he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. He's got to really do something to get back at that. And even then it's kind of like I think we touched on it last week with uh Joseph Benavidez position where when you've lost to that decisively, 
to the champion multiple times, you really, really are going to have to just clean out the division without being champion. So, and I don't think he's in that position to do that now at this stage in his career, nor would he like want to. So uh, it's, yeah, it makes things a whole lot more interesting where he could go from here. And I could only see like, I don't know, maybe those, those more fun fights that don't matter as much in terms of rankings. Uh, Like let's say Nate Diaz loses to, Edwards and even if he doesn't like that rematch will still be there at some point down the line you'd have to think um there's always the possibility of Connor at some point you know like those kind of fights and you know Nick Diaz who we will get to (laughs) I guess that's a possibility as well but I don't know I just can't see him kind of trying to work his way through the rest of the contenders like let's say Michael Chiesa if they wanted to go that route which you know, at this point, I think that that makes sense to do that where they both stand in the division. That'd be great for Kiesa to potentially launch himself up the ladder even further. But there's no way that, you know, Masvidal is probably going to take that. Um, I, it's just very weird for him now. Um, I don't know. Maybe he could move to middleweight. That's probably a little bit too extreme. He'd probably be pretty outsized there. But I, I don't know. I think it's more of just kind of those fun not as meaningful fights at this stage, which they were going to be there no matter how he lost, but it feels like he's kind of more going to be stuck in that way, unless he really wants to, you know, change things up and prove, you know, that he can still get back there and work his way that Joseph Benavidez route. But I don't know about that at this stage. What do you think, Jed? Was, was this loss a way bigger hit to Mazadal stock than you predicted last week? No, I mean, it, it did nothing like, Sure, he lost in a more dramatic fashion, but everyone kind of thought he was going to lose, except for me, because I talked myself, apparently you, Mike, into believing for him <laughs> was going to do the damn thing. And let me just say, at after round one, I felt super good about that, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, Usman is getting real wild with it, and he ended the first round super poorly. I was like, this is wow, this is, I'm going to, man, I can't wait for BTL Thursday because I'm going to lord that over everybody. And then kaboom, I'm an asshole. So (laughs) thank you, Kamar Usman, for making me an asshole. Uh, But yeah, no, this doesn't do anything to Moscow. He's fine. He still is super marketable. Yeah, he's not going to get a title shot again ever. And that's okay. He already has his own belt. Um, that he should give to Usman. Usman absolutely deserves that damn belt now. Uh, but he still has it. He's got – we'll talk about Nick Diaz. You know that I don't believe in Nick Diaz, but he's still got a ready-made money fight with Colby Covington. Maybe that's what they do because Colby's clearly not getting the title fight as we just established. Uh, <laughs> you want a rematch with Nate. Uh, like Robbie Lawler is kind of, that's just a fight I've been thinking about. Like that's kind of a fun one that you could do. Uh, Connor, people will say Connor, Connor doesn't want that smoke whatsoever. So that'll never happen. But like, he's got plenty of options and he's just going to make a lot of money, which is the core goal in prize fighting. So he going to be just fine. I know Mazda spoke with ESPN earlier this week. He, uh, he took the loss very well, gave a lot of praise to Usman and rightfully so, but, uh, what a performance from Kamar Usman. That is a scary cat right now. And in my opinion, at this moment, I said it already, I think he's the best fighter on the planet. And there you go, buddy. My kid <laughs> dropped his guitar right in the middle of BTL. And you never know what happens on uh, on live shows. But a, a lot more UFC 261 talk coming up in round two. But the point for round one goes to... 
Mr. Fight Circus, Jed Mishu on the board. There you go. That was a hell of a round. I am excited for the rest of this, but... Uh... We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet. Up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let us move ahead to... The other two championship bouts from this past Saturday in the co-main event, Rose Namajunas stopped Zhang Wei Li, not Li Na, in the first round. <laughs> 78 seconds was all Thug Rose needed to get it done. It was a beautiful head kick, and she is once again the strawweight champion. And prior to that, Valentina Shevchenko dominated and stopped Jessica Andrade in the second round. What an incredible performance that was from the bullet. So, Jed, let us begin with you since we've had five days to digest this all. We had a quick head kick knockout. The emotion Rose showed, her story, all that clearly made more headlines than Valentina Shevchenko's win. In fact, if we're being honest, Valentina's win isn't being talked about enough because that was an incredible eight and a half minutes she had in that octagon. Who had the better performance overall? Was it Thug Rose or was it one of the baddest women on planet Earth, the 125-pound champion Valentina Shevchenko? Easily Shevchenko for me. Uh, and this is, I mean, one, we all know... I am the conductor of the bullet train, been that for a long time. Uh, but this isn't even that. Like, just Rose, I'm not taking anything away from Rose because that was awesome. Like, she she did the damn thing in emphatic fashion. But at any time you're comparing who had a better performance, it's not going to be the person who had the kind of one-shot KO. It's all it, in comparison to somebody who put a certified ass-whooping down for eight minutes. 
it's clearly that like look the quality of competition in both was tremendously high we talked about coming into this fight these were four of the five top female pound for pound fighters in the world competing against each other and so i mean you're neck and neck with quality of competition there it is super impressive that Rose knocked out uh, Weili Zhang. And if they fought again, I, I think you have to favor Rose there. But it, there is still totally a world where Weili Zhang beats Rose in a rematch, even if you just did an immediate rematch. We all left 261 thinking Jessica Andrade could fight 100 times against Shevchenko. And she's just getting that same ass whooping every time. Like there was, there was no, she left no doubt who was the better fighter in any facet of the sport. There was nothing like that's the kind of ass beating that Andrade can't ever get a title shot again. Like she's going to have to put together a 10 fight win streak for anybody to be like, okay, I guess we have to do it because she's the only person, but like we all know what's going to happen. Shevchenko established a level of dominance that is just so rarely seen. It It is truly remarkable. And the fact that she did that against what most people thought was going to be her toughest test is, is incredible. I mean, just check the stats out from that fight, man. <laughs> like Andrade landed 10 strikes over the course of the fight and was controlled for like seven minutes of it. It was just, it was one-way traffic. That's easily my choice for the most dominant performance. If we did a beatdown of the year, like award, that's easily the front runner of that for me too. Like consummate ass kicking. What do you think, Drake? I mean, Valentina, a little longer, but Rose, you know, kind of hearing her talk about the finish and how she set it up and how she sort of analyzed it and studied Zhang's game for so long that led to that kick. What was the better performance overall? It's not just about domination and time, but what performance stuck out more to you? Was it Rose or was it Valentina? So Jed and I are best friends this week, man. I, I fully agree with him here. And you know, it, it's it's a matter of more impressive finish that goes to Rose, I think. That's pretty undeniable. That kick was fantastic. Just slid right through Whaley's guard. She thought she was going low, went high, caught her perfectly. Before that, though, Whaley, she was doing all right. And yeah, it was only a minute fight. But And then in terms of most impressive performance, I mean, it's undeniable. It is undeniable that that is Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, this is a woman who we kind of forget, I think, that in the past outstruck Holly Holm. Yes, she got dropped in that first round, but then went on to just, you know, piece her up for four rounds. Uh, was able to submit and outgrapple Juliana Pena for the most part, who was known for her grappling. And then we transitioned to flyweight, all the dominance she's had since then, and then to now against Jessica Andrade, who has been at Bantamweight, former strawweight champion, looked great in her first fight at flyweight before this. Uh, just, a you know, a well-known powerhouse, one of the most exciting and you know, physically imposing fighters that we've ever seen among these divisions. And, you know, it looked, it looked like that couldn't have been any farther from the case here. And I'm, I'm willing to go as far to say, and I'm giving you a hot take right here, but Valentina Shevchenko, the way that she's able to do this and how she did against somebody like Jessica Andrade, who is no joke, like she very well might be one of, if not the most talented fighter, you know, the skill for skill for skill, that we have ever seen, man. Like it's, I, I say it's on the same, it's getting, if not already at that GSP level. And if you look at the levels of dominance here, she's finishing unlike GSP was able to. 
I mean, and, and I don't really want to talk about NFL, but I got to make a comparison here. I don't want to talk about NFL because my Packers are having a rough day so far, it appears, with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But um, <laughs> so I got to make this comparison, though, because I think that Valentina, everything I just said about this skill, I don't think she's quite the GOAT yet because that is still Nunez. You look at accomplishments. So I'm going to make this comparison. Nunez is the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT of the NFL, right? All the championships, all the accomplishments. But in my opinion, I think the most talented player and quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers, and then fighter would be Valentina Shevchenko, most skilled. Not the GOATs. You can't really say that considering all the other you know, accolades and everything the other person has. But skill for skill, I mean, it's just getting hard to deny it at this point. She's she's flawless. Like I, I don't know how you can beat her anymore. Well, one thing that you said that is undeniably true is that Tom Brady is the goat. So there you go. He was at the <laughs> the, the fight on Saturday. So there you go. Uh, and you you put Jed in such a state that so you put him in such a moment. Yeah, it was like he just won Journalist of the Year at the uh, the <laughs> MMA awards. I mean, that, that that was like it was like he was he was walking up to the stage and getting ready to give his victory speech for winning Journalist of the Year. Look, guys, I have been driving the Chevy truck forever and <laughs> I'm, just, I'm glad that people are just getting getting on board with it and recognizing not just that she's better than everybody that she's fighting but that she's so much better that she she very well is like i think that she's probably the best female fighter of all time not on accomplishment because nunez has done so much that's just it's gonna be really difficult for anybody to surpass that but we talked about it before or we talked about it after the fight like she is so much further above the rest of her peers than anybody else in the sport and honestly like it's not absurd to say that that gap is bigger than any other time in in mma history dating back to like the gracies when literally no one knew how to grapple like she is it i have said this comically before i actually really think that if you put like her in a battle, like King of the Hill style, just one after the other against gauntlet match, like <laughs> seven of them before somebody finally got her because she was tired. Like she is so good. More on Valentina in a moment, uh, but one thing is 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 actually pretty interesting and clear: the cupboards for both of these champions are not completely bare. Like especially at one fifteen. So we'll, we'll start with Rose Drake because. She certainly has some interesting options. There's the big fight coming up next month between Carla Sparza and Jan Jonan. There's Juani and Jacek. Yes, they fought twice and Rose won both, but that's still an option. Mackenzie Dern has looked great and she would bring a very interesting challenge to Rose Namajunas. And there is a case that can be made for a rematch with Zhang Wei Li after that long winning streak and being out for a year and all that. So I ask you, Drake, what do you think is next for Rose Namajunas in the second title run? Oh, man. Yeah, there are just so, so, so many options to straw weight, Mike. You're right. And you left out Marina Rodriguez, too. Like, I feel like she's the forgotten woman there. Maybe not quite yet ready for a title shot, but that's just another person who could very well be in that picture very soon as she has that Michelle Watterson fight coming up. Uh, what is it next week? So there are a whole lot of options to straw weight um, for Rose. And let's look at Whaley for 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 the first case here. First option, which I've never been somebody who really is into instant rematches unless you're like 
a long reigning champion who has defended it just a boatload of times. Let's look at Anderson Silva, for example, when he got knocked out by Chris Weidman. I, I think that's a case where it's fine. Jose Aldo, who didn't get one, but he probably should have against Conor McGregor. Um, but on, then you look at cases where like Cody Garbrandt or people who get these rematches after pretty clear cut finishes and then no, not really that many title defenses. I'm not quite a fan of that as much as I do adore Whaley. And I would, I would love to see an actual, a real fight between her and Rose. Cause we didn't really get that, you know, only what 78 seconds of action or so. Um, I would love to see the rematch, but I, I don't think you can do it right away, especially in this shark tank of a division with all the possibilities. So going to rule out Whaley for now. Uh, she can go and rematch Joanna potentially, or uh, we didn't even mention Tatiana who hopefully comes back. Sounds like she might be thinking about flyweight as well, but you know, there's so many pieces that can fit together here. So for me, I think the clear cut option, it, it has to be the two women who have put together the best winning streaks and are fighting each other next. Yan Zhaonan and Carla Esparza. Uh, that's just the definition of a contender fight really. And if you look at kind of the stories in it too, I think that, you know, a big winner out of UFC 261 that wasn't even on the card was Carla Esparza. Because if she wins against Yan Zhaonan, well, that's a five-fight winning streak. She gives Zhaonan her first loss in the UFC, snaps a six-fight losing streak, all these things, former champion. I still feel like people wouldn't have been that interested in a Whaley fight, assuming Whaley was to beat Rose. But if you now have Rose in that spot, the story of that rematch... Tough 20, both of their debuts, fighting for the very first title. Carla beats her, submits her, which is way too much experience at that point. Uh, Rose was very green. All the way that they've come since then, Carla as the challenger, Rose is the champion, two-time champion like that. That How do you not do that? And it kind of sucks that they've already established the tough coaches because if they were to make them the tough coaches, man, you want to add to the craziness there. I don't know if that's ever happened where two former finalists have ended up coaching against each other and then fighting for a title. Like that would have been perfect, but that's out of the picture either way. Still a great story if that's to happen, but then Yan Zhaonan, of course they want to get another Chinese champion. You would think, and she would be on a seven fight winning streak, beat a former champion. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you not go with her and very exciting and similar style to Whaley. Um, not as much of a finisher, but, how do you how do you not how do you deny a seven fight winning streak and just all the wins that she'd have racked up at that point um so i feel like it's pretty clear that it has to be one of them i know i've seen not a lot surrounding a potential you know valentina super fight we definitely shouldn't do that they're very friendly it doesn't sound like rose is uh valentina excuse me is very interested in that either from her uh interview she did with james lynch what was it yesterday shout out to james so I, I, I don't want to see any talk about that, but I've seen a little bit of it. So let's just not worry about that. Stick to the division, stick to defending that title. And I think do it against who will be the, the definite, the definite number one contender between Jaunan and Carla. Agree with him, Jed. Yeah, I think that's what happens next. I mean, it, you just have so such good storylines coming out of that fight. Either way it goes. I mean, Drake talked about the Sparza thing. Obviously, Yang Zhaonan is they the UFC is clearly interested in having at least one Chinese champion. Uh, they would probably spin it up as some sort of a grudge match, given uh, what just happened to Wally Zhang. It, 
uh, the storylines there are too good. Everything else is just not nothing. I, I super don't want the Wiley fight again uh, because for the same reasons I talked about Covington. Like you got got get some wins, like at least two. Give me two wins before you get back there. And if like that's, I don't think that's much to ask, and I think that's what we should get here. Uh, and Rose is definitely definitely not going up to 125 because who who is trying to go to 125 drake talked about tatiana suarez maybe thinking about flyweight <laughs> trust me she ain't thinking about flyweight after that ass <laughs> that Trump just handed out. she's thinking about eating more salads is what she's thinking about right now because nobody wants any of that business <laughs> uh well i didn't mention tatiana suarez because apparently from what i've heard through the grapevine uh she there's, there's been some more hiccups some more hiccups in the recovery so uh her timeline i know she wanted to come back in the summer that's looking very unlikely at this point uh so hopefully we see her later on this year maybe early next year but we'll see what happens but for valentina jed you are the uh the chevy truck driver as you say there's uh there are some options for her but we're running out of them there's no doubt about it we got viviani arujo she's fighting caitlin chukagan at ufc 262 Chukagin's out of the mix right now for the same reasons you mentioned with Colby and, and Zhang Wei Li. Araujo, a win for her, could put her in the mix. A lot of people, of course, have the UFC 263 fight on June 12th between Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood Circle. This is the true number one contender fight. And oh, yeah, there's another dominant champion out there who has two belts. And, you know, she's got her next fight booked already with, with Juliana Pena. What's her Amanda Nunes? I think that's her name. I, I mean, I, they, they fought twice. Nunes won both of those. Both were competitive fights. But uh, what's next for Valentina Shevchenko, Jen? It is probably the winner of Lauren Murphy versus John Calderwood. Um, I mean, if the UFC wanted to really, really be great, they would just book uh, Nunes Shevchenko for later on in the evening after Nunes hands that work to Mania. <laughs> Uh, but they won't do that because they're they're allergic to fun. Um, and so since they won't do that, I think we can probably suspect that that fight, that's a back pocket fight. Like neither of these women is losing the title anytime soon. They can pull the trigger on that whenever the hell they want to. So they don't need to. And frankly, I, I did write about the site why the UFC should go ahead and book it because I think there are a lot of good arguments for it, namely – the ultimate goal of fighting is always we want to see the best fight the best, and the only way either of these women will get any kind of a competitive bout will be against each other. Uh, but outside of that, I, Shevchenko has other people to fight in her division, and frankly, so does Nunes at this point just because like she hasn't defended her Bantamweight belt in like uh, – is it like two years? Or no, I guess the Jermaine Durandamy fight was a Bantamweight fight, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, like, before that, it had been a long time. Uh, I, the top of the division has changed a little bit. There are still, obviously, the marquee names at Bantamweight, but she has other people she can fight, and Chevchenko does as well. And, honestly, I've, I've said this a hundred times before. To me, one of the most impressive things you can do as a champion is what Kamara Usman has done. He has beaten all the top people in his division for years, and, like, that's what Shevchenko needs to do. That's what Nunes needs to kind of redo. She obviously did it once. But, like, that's how your resume really stands the test of time is not I beat the same three people, like, four times. It's I beat everybody for a decade. And so go with that. That means Laura Murphy, John Calderwood is a clear-cut contender fight. 
and we can we can do the super fight down the line because both women will have the title. Pick a date in the future; they will have it still. <laughs> Same page, Drake. Yeah, for the most part, man. Like I would love to see Nunez and Shevchenko three, but there are people that they haven't fought in their division still. Whether you know they're super highly ranked or what have you, they are there. Um, so. I think that that can wait. It'll be there. Uh, you know, Valentina kind of said it herself. Just it'll happen naturally. And, you know, I feel like it's kind of naturally coming together that way right now. You could do it. But again, it's probably it's very safe to assume that it'll be there at any point in the foreseeable future, unless like Nunez is to retire, which would be like the only worry that I kind of have right now is if she was to leave before we get to see that, which, you know, then uh, I guess it is what it is. But it's not since we've seen it twice and I know they've gotten tremendously better since then, it's not, um, super necessary. I guess we'll throw that out there, but, um, nice. yeah, yes. <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> the actual flyweight division though, Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood, that's obviously the one that you got to look at. But I do think that let's say that Jojo wins and Arujo wins then you got to give it to Arujo in that case because then she's taken out Caitlin Shukaji and extending her winning streak further. Uh, I just I think that's a little bit more impressive than what Jojo will have done with uh, what would it be just a two fight winning streak? And yes, yeah, she's taken out Lauren Murphy who has put together a great run herself. But if Lauren wins, I think yeah, undeniably. I mean, you could have argued that she already got should have got the title shot uh, in Andrade's place and fought on 261 or something like that. Yes, yeah, she had the short notice fight with. Um, uh, Shakarova, Shakarova on short notice, that is, rather than what was supposed to be Calvillo, but she still went out there, uh, won the way she was supposed to by finishing her. So if Lauren Murphy can beat JoJo and do it very decisively, I mean, there's there's just no denying her whatsoever. She's very much earned that on the best run of her career. Um, but if Arujo looks great, which is very possible, even though Caitlin Jukajian is a very, very tough and kind of underappreciated stylistic fight for everybody for the most part that isn't named Valentina um if she can beat her I think that that's a little bit more that'd be a better recent resume for her than what Joja would have done if she is to knock off Murphy I guess depending on how she beats Murphy if she goes out there and starches her that's a little bit different and I know that Jojo's been just oh so close to a title shot pretty much her whole career going back to strawweight you remember when she choked against Marina Moroz like that was kind of a setup fight didn't quite make it then has had some struggles here at flyweight, even though looking that's her optimal division and everything. So kind of, it's a lot more up in the air and interesting. I think if it does play out where Murphy loses and Arujo wins, but Chukajian isn't going to slide in there no matter what happens, I don't think. So it'll come down to Murphy or Arujo, maybe best performance out of those three if Jojo does get it done. But um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that it'll be one of them. Mike, can I change oh, my answer? Sure, quickly. Uh, so as he was going through the list of people that might end up fighting Shevchenko, all I could think was, well, that is just awful. Um, <laughs> mainly because they are good fighters who have, like, I would actually put it as 0% chance to beat her. Like, there's just, there's not a mechanism by which Lauren Murphy or Vivian Rougeau could, could defeat Valentina Shevchenko. So we got Spike. I think we go with a handicap match where Shevchenko like can't kick or like she can only use her left hand. Like let's let's restrict her to at least make these competitive bouts potentially. I'm Fight not even circus. Say, 
competitive. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get a little fight circusy with it because <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it. But if if Laura Murphy is the next title challenger, deserve it or not, she's going to be a minus like Shevchenko's going to be a minus four thousand. I don't even think that's like a joke. She might actually be a minus four thousand favorite, and that would still be good odds. <laughs> Unreal. Well, listen, if you missed two sixty one, you missed a damn good one. We're going to move ahead. We're going to do some deep cuts, but we'll save that for another time. But uh. We're going to head to another big storyline coming out of the event, out of that event. Point for round two goes to. The Chael P t-shirt wearing Drake Riggs. He is on the board is one-to-one. This is fun. I feel like I've been hosting the show for five minutes, but we're, uh, we're approaching, we're approaching marathon territory here, but that's okay. Uh, let us move ahead to Jed Mishu's favorite topic in the entire world. Nick Diaz. Yes, he was in Jacksonville. He got a lot of attention. He looks to be in the best physical shape of his life these days. And Dana White said that he wants to come back, that he wants to fight. And there is something that, you know, that's something we've been hearing about for several months now. It seems like he's taking it very seriously. He's done test weight cuts, etc. Now, there have been reports out there already that a fight was offered already for Nick Diaz to fight Hamzat Shemaev. For what it's worth, I'm told that that is not wholly accurate. That certainly doesn't mean it's not an option. It seems to be an option if you watch Dana White's press conference after UFC 261. But in terms of something formal being offered in regards to that fight, I've been told that that's not 100% true. But anyways, Jed Mishu, the Nick Diaz train has apparently left the station again. So my question to you is, where's it going? Who should that opponent be for his return? It left the station. If you mean it's like one of those old Westerns where the track like stops just like over an abyss and the train careens into that abyss because the man isn't fighting again. I'm sorry to be the bearer of realism and normalcy. He hasn't competed in six years. He hasn't won in a decade. He's just not going to fight. You know why I know this? One, again, Dana White said he was interested. So obviously just go with the exact opposite of whatever Dana White said. You're going to be right more often than not. And two, Nick Diaz has been coming back to MMA for like a decade and he still hasn't done it. He he and Brock Lesnar should have a, a just a group text where all they do is say, hey, man, it's really fun to fuck with Dana, isn't it? Sure is. This is awesome. Brock's just like, yeah, man, I use it to leverage more money out of the WWE. And Nick's like, I don't really know why I do it. Sometimes I think maybe I want to fight, but then I'm like, nah, I'll just go nunchuck some stuff and I'm good. Like he's not fighting. If he does, I will. I've told you this in the post fight show. I will believe Nick Diaz is fighting three days after the fight has happened and not a minute before. <laughs> Like, I don't care if they are one. We've seen fights get canceled with one dude in the cage. I don't care if Nick Diaz is walking out to the cage until the door closes. They fought. We have gotten all the tests back and I can wake up to confirm that it was not a dream three times. I ain't buying it. Little little peek behind the curtain. This was not the original third question, but it became the third question. And that is the exact reason why it became the third question, because I couldn't wait to hear what came out of your mouth, Jed. Drake, where is this train going? Do you agree with Jed that he's just not going to fight? They were being sold, you know, coincidentally enough, wolf tickets here? 
Or do you think we're serious here? Who should he fight? Let, let's let's be positive here. Let's just say he does fight. Who does he fight? Well, first of all, yeah, I'm I'm fully in the same camp. I'm all team heel when it comes to Diaz talk. So I'm with Chad once again here that, yeah, the man is just, it, it's all lunacy at this point. I don't know why people continue to believe or have excitement even for Nick Diaz coming back at this stage in his career when he hasn't won a fight in so long. And quite frankly, his last couple fights weren't even that good or exciting. He lost very clearly. And the only thing we remember about the Anderson Silva fight is him laying down, which yeah, that was cool, I guess. He didn't do anything besides that. Like, I don't know. No interest in Nick Diaz coming back. It's not going to happen. I will believe it when I see it. But then again, it's just not going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to be good. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news, everybody. But that's just how it is. But if, 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 if in this big fantasy of people still having interest in Nick Diaz for whatever reason, if he was to come back, I've always said that the fight that I would want to see, because I don't think he's going to be competitive with any top guys, you throw him in there against Masvidal, which would be a fight that I could see them trying to do, or even a Hamzat, it's just not going to go very well for Nick Diaz. That's just, that's just where we're at right now. Um, but a fight that I have always said is to do the one to make do Dan Hardy. Why not? Let's get crazy. Do something like that. They're similar age. They haven't fought in who just forever, you know, nearly decades and haven't won in a very long time. Uh, I think that that stylistically would be a fun one. It's a winnable fight for Nick Diaz. Uh, maybe I, it's hard to tell with Dan Hardy, which that's kind of the whole thing about Nick Diaz fights is you don't really know how he's going to look, but you know that it's not going to be good enough to beat the best guys. I think we're at the same stage there with Dan Hardy, obviously. Uh, or another one that I think would probably be on that same level, but a bigger seller, one that shouldn't quite be a main event, but you could do as a co-main event, maybe a five-rounder if they wanted. How do you not do the Carlos Condit rematch, which is one where, yes, still so much controversy around that. People love to say, what is it, one, two, five, Diaz, those are the rounds that he should have won from that less than stellar fight again one that wasn't very exciting of nick diaz's in his last so many from years ago uh and carlos condit has finally gotten two wins back to back again but he's still not that same natural born killer that we're used to seeing so it's it's right about perfect there you know in terms of winnable for each of them but uh not too ridiculous in terms of giving Nick a fight he doesn't quite deserve. So that's one. Yes, I just saw the Robbie Lawler one pop up there too. That rematch could be doable, but um, I don't know. I, I lean more towards Dan Hardy ridiculousness or Carlos Condit. I think that that, that one writes itself. Yeah, I, I just I just want to throw out there once again, I hate the idea of Nick Diaz and Hamza Shamayev. Like, I could not hate that anymore. And like, sure, it would be big. It would get a lot of attention. And, you know, Shamayev had this massive start to his UFC run. He was in the running for freaking fighter of the year down the stretch of 2020. But the guy had like this horrible bout with COVID-19. He's still recovering. Yeah, he's training and he seems to be in a better place. And he'd be a gigantic favorite in this fight with Nick Diaz more than likely who hasn't fought in over six years. But one of the big reasons I don't like it, it's already risky enough booking Nate, Nick Diaz against <laughs> anybody, right? Maybe he loses interest or the money isn't what he wants and maybe he didn't read the contract correctly and just says, screw it, I'm not fighting. And then you have Shamayev, who, because of the long-term effects of COVID, 
has had to withdraw from the last couple of Leon Edwards dates. It's just incredibly risky when you have other options that both of you mentioned that would be pretty interesting in their own right. So, Jed, can, Jed, can you can you take the bait at least? Let's just say like <laughs> let's just say like we're not in real life right now. That like we're in a dream world. All right, and Nick Diaz is fighting in this. Yeah, Nick Diaz is fighting in the main event of fantasy UFC Fantasy Land One. Who's Nick fighting? First, let me say I think Mike, you should award the point for this round to yourself because well done. <laughs> just way to way to get a head full of steam and just carry it through there. Uh, in in Fantasy Land, yeah, great sound drop, great sound drop, Casey. In Fantasy Land. Uh, Jorge Masvidal is probably the fight just because, I mean, there's the – Jorge's kind of already said that. Uh, hey, Nick, you want to get one back for your brother? Like, I'd want to do that for my family. I think you've got a lot of an angle you can build with that. Uh, it's probably a whitewashing for, for Masvidal. Like, he probably works him because, again, Nick Diaz is 37 years old and hasn't fought in six years. He's probably not very good at fighting anymore. Uh, and that to me makes the most sense because when he, if we're living in this fantasy world, where we take everything that's being told to us as truth, what Nick's agent manager, whatever said was he wanted to fight a guy who's going to get him back in, you know, the top 10 guy and all the top 10 guys don't make any sense at all for Nick Diaz, basically other than Jorge Masvidal. Uh, and so that, that fight has a lot of legs. If, if it's true, I would say that that is the most likely fight. Uh, if it's if we're really fantasy matchmaking here, I think Robbie Lawler makes the most sense to me. They fought like two decades ago at this point. Um, they are both old. Um, Lawler has at least been competing, so he's probably not as old and bad as Nick is. But to me, that's what you do. I'm fine with the Carlos Condit one. I just want to be clear. That was the first UFC event I ever attended. I was in the nosebleeds of that one. And I could tell you very confidently that Carlos Condit won that fight. And everybody around me was super mad that Carlos Condit won that fight. <laughs> he definitely did. Um, and I could see that from the rafters. So, uh, But, yeah, run that back would be fine, too. Like, you just can't put him in against the Hamza Chemaev or, like, Leon Edwards or Colby Covington. Like you just can't do that. So yeah, you got to find that kind of narrow window of either huge star or old star and just make it happen in there. The one, the one fight nobody's talking about, maybe they should be BJ Penn. Let's run that one back. We're already living in a fantasy world. Maybe BJ won't be <laughs> awful anymore and they can rematch there. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I, I knew uh, that would get Casey so angry. Uh, <laughs> it's better than going and get knocked out by Jake Paul in boxing. Oh, man. All right, real quick, Drake. On a, uh, on a scale of 0 to 10, how likely is it we see Nick Diaz fight in 2021? Uh, 0.5. I'll give him a half a point. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, fair enough. All right. Well, listen. As we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, fantasy world question. or not. You want it? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We already know what you're going to say. It's a negative. It this, it's very much like with Valentina Shevchenko over Laura Murphy. It's negative four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We'll see what happens. I'm. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm like at a three, but I, I'm more on the believe it. I'll see it. I don't need to see it three days later to believe it. The walk, the buffer, the first punch <laughs> thrown, then I'll believe it. But uh, we'll move ahead to this weekend and our final round of regulation. The point for round three goes to. I mean, I feel like if I don't pick Jed, no one will watch the show anymore because the people have spoken and uh, I can't not give him the point. So there you go. Jed is up two to one. You just teed me up right there. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. But listen, it's okay. Because as as difficult as it is to move ahead from this past Saturday night, we didn't even get to everything I wanted to talk about. The UFC is back in action this Saturday as well. They're back at the Apex. We go from 15,000 fans to like UFC employees and some media members in the Apex for UFC Vegas 25. Really good main event between Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prohashka at 205 pounds. Drake, I know these post-pay-per-view hangovers can be real, especially after what all went down in Jacksonville. I mean, hell, you were there to, to witness it all. But I guess where would you gauge your excitement level for this Saturday's card? Uh, boy, Um, if I was to go out of 10, I would say... I'm like a six and a half, but I feel like it's going to ramp up here like by tomorrow when we see kind of the face offs and everything. I love Yuri. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dominic, too. I'm really excited for this fight. It's kind of it's kind of the the thing I'm most excited for. You know, this card is all right. There's some people in particular that I'm kind of excited to see more so than maybe the matchups. I str- Sean Strickland is back against Yatko. That'll be that'll be interesting. Sean Strickland is absolutely insane, not just as a fighter, but you know, as a in- individual as well. Um, you know, and there's some other people on the card as as well. Cub Swanson's back in the co-main event, which a Cub Swanson co-main event in 2021 is kind of like. It is what it is. And taking on Giga Chikadze, who finally this guy is kind of getting a name and step up of sorts. So that will be fun. But um, yeah, I think that the hangover from a very big and insane card, like you mentioned there, it's very real for this one because I think that this card probably will deliver and be pretty fun. But just in terms of getting uber excited for it, uh, a little tough, you know, a little drained. But um, I'm, I'm very much excited for the main event 
more than anything, just because, you know, I've been following Yuri for quite a while now and his rising career, the rising champ. And then Reyes too. I followed him since before he was in the UFC as well. And uh, it's been great seeing what he's been able to do. If he can rebound here off of a very tough loss to Jan Blahovic, um, you would have to imagine that this will be the number one contender fight for the light heavyweight title, which adds a little bit of something to it. So uh, yeah, I guess right now I'm kind of six, six and a half ish, but I could see it ramping up tomorrow after weigh-ins and whatnot. How amped are you, Jed, for this Saturday? I mean, Drake's in the neighborhood, probably five, probably a little less. Like, it is, it's a deceptively good card in that it has a lot of competitive matchups. Some of them are important and matter as well. Uh, it's pretty low on name value. Uh, the main event here is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, that will be super fun. Like, I'm, I'm always down to watch Yuri Prohaska channel his chakra and try and knock out some dude. And Dominic Ray is apparently knockoutable. We found not, not too terrible long ago. So uh, that fight's fun, super competitive. But the rest of the card, it the names it has maybe aren't, aren't really doing a lot of lift. Uh, it's one of those cards that I think if we weren't coming off UFC 261, I'd be a lot more excited about. But we just got three title fights. We didn't even... Thank you. We didn't talk about the horror that happened earlier on the main card of 261 and the night of terrible legs. And so uh, it, that's just a lot. There's a bit of a hangover here. And I, I think that I'm, I'm really feeling that this week because on paper, this should be a much better card than my excitement level is matching. Yeah, I mean, the main event is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's great. It's a lot at stake for both of these guys. Dominic Reyes is on a two-fight losing streak. He's lost two title fights in a row. One was very questionable. One was not questionable at all. And Yuri Prohashka had such a great UFC debut, a lot of hype coming in. People have been waiting for the second appearance for a long, since July, since the first one. They were ready to see him right back in there, and we're finally here. And uh, with the win, there are many who believe that Prohashka's next fight will be for the light heavyweight title against either of those two guys, Blahovich or Teixeira. And if Reyes wins, he is clearly the biggest Glover Teixeira fan on planet Earth. But uh, as people know, I mean, Drake, you sort of ran them down. Giga Chikadze versus Cub Swanson is interesting. Cody Stamen versus Murad Willie is is fun. Iwan Kutalaba versus Dustin Jacoby will be all sorts of chaos. You mentioned Strickland Yatko. That's interesting. We got Batelio versus Carolina. That's the main card. But we like to dig deep on this program. Drake Riggs, you know this already. The low-key banger for UFC Vegas 25. What you got? Man, so I think there are a couple options here, and I'm looking mostly at the prelims because if we're going low-key, of course, you kind of have to dive in a little bit lower at the start of things. Uh, Luke Sanders in the second fight against Felipe Calaris. Uh, I think Luke Sanders is always a guy that usually, no matter what fight he's in, something kind of crazy happens, and it's usually very exciting, whether he's on the right end or the wrong end of it. So that's one to look out for. Uh, Loma Luke Bunme is back right after that against Sam Hughes in a fight that she's pretty heavily favored in, but I think uh, stylistically and size-wise, Sam Hughes actually has a pretty good uh, chance to get the upset there. Gabriel Benitez is back as well, taking on Jonathan Pierce. That's one. Uh, those are all good options, I think. I like the three of those. But for me, I'm going to take the last fight on the prelims actually the straw weights once again back-to-back straw weight picks for me last week i chose young non arian carnalosi which kicked off ufc 261 and delivered quite uh quite handsomely i would say uh random marcos versus luana pinero though i'm going to take this week random marcos in a spot where this is 
just so blatantly her last chance in the UFC. She's on a three-fight losing streak. If she loses four in a row, uh, she's definitely gone. She's 10-10-1 now. She would be uh, have a below 500 record. Um, you could argue that she should have been cut after her last fight against Kanako Muratsov was very a very dominant loss there. And taking on Luana Pinero, uh, well, also I should mention that Randa has switched camps and has been working down in Texas for this one. Um, but Luana Pinero coming in, making her UFC debut, coming in off uh, the Contender Series victory, got a great knockout over um, Frausto. Um, this is a girl who is a very legitimate prospect. I can see her being, she has that potential to where I think she can go very far in the strawweight division as a very strong judo background and is a consummate finisher is getting much better with her striking as we've seen in that last fight in particular, but she can just kind of, she's starting to put it all together and do things everywhere. And is very dangerous wherever the fight goes. Her fights don't last very long because that's how lethal she's becoming, but taking on somebody like Randa who has been around for what nearly nearly 10 years now one of the longest the originals from the strawweight division um joining through tough 20 i believe she still holds the record for most fights at strawweight so all these things back against the wall for her i think it's going to bring out the best in her and generally her fights you know they're pretty they can be pretty entertaining it's kind of depends on who the uh dance partner is and somebody like panero who for her making her debut against a serious veteran like i said most fights in strawweight history in the ufc uh, a very big spot and debut opportunity for her. So I, I think that this one has all the potential to be pretty wild. Uh, they both need it a lot, but um, yeah, I'm going to take that one. Jed, you took a beating from a lot of people for your low key banger pick last week, since you picked the Alex Oliveira versus Brandy Brown fight. And everyone was like, come on, that's not really low key, but <laughs> here we are. That's and if we're being honest, that fight was a bad. It was it was Thank good. You. But listen, the winner of that contest was me last week because the fight I picked was the fight of the night. So clearly, based on metrics and mathematics and bonus money, I won I won the pony there. But listen, what's yours for this card on Saturday? I'm on fire. Well, I got two second, points already. Okay, that's your second <laughs> point. You're, you're winning. You're winning your own I won. show fight. That's it, everybody. I'm out of here. <laughs> what's yours, Chad? Uh See, you really put me in a bind with this question this week because all you know the things I like, and all the things that I like are not on the early prelims. Like, I want to get up here and I want to give you a five minute session on why Ion Kutalaba, the Moldovian, um, what's that dude who was in Warrior? That guy, Joel Edgerton, like that dude versus Justin Jacoby or Dustin Jacoby, that's going to be <laughs> awesome in what could be a terrible way, but it's certainly going to be a great way, but that's not low key. I can't do it. Like on the undercard, if I'm giving you the real what's flying under the radar, uh, I'll give you one just to say I did it to fit the parameters. Uh, it'd be Mowgli Benitez, uh, Jonathan Pierce. Pierce has proven himself to be a pretty fun watch um, dating back to the contender series. And Mowgli Benitez is usually a good time uh it's featherweights they're gonna scrap they're gonna mix it up all over the place and probably some cool things will happen like if i'm just picking fight of the night that's gonna be and i can't like take the main event then that's gonna be where my money's at but because i want to do this because i one it doesn't matter i could say anything i'm not getting the point here so i just want us to talk for a minute about marav dalashvili and cody Stamen because most people think this fight's gonna suck and they probably think it's going to suck because collectively these men average 10 takedowns a, a, a fight and they have an average fight time of like 
14 minutes and 50 seconds between the two of them. So yeah, on paper, this fight is going to be boring as sin. However, neither of these men is going to be able to take the other down, and we're going to be in store for a really awful kickboxing bout between two dudes who cannot do that activity, and that's going to be hella fun, and I'm here for it. So that's my pick. It's not low-key because people like this matters, but it is low-key because everyone thinks it's going to suck, and I think it's going to be fun as hell. <laughs> All right, real quick. Last thing on this, 30 seconds or less. Drake, let me ask you this. We got this week's UFC card. Next week's UFC card lost the main event between Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw. We lost Cowboy Cerrone versus Diego Sanchez, although it looks like Cowboy's still going to compete. Michelle Watterson versus Marina Rodriguez, the new main event for next Saturday, which is a really interesting fight. Is Bellator 258 the best fight card over the next 10 days? Um, man, I, I, I think so. You know, you got the title fight on there. You got, uh, rumble versus Romero, Patricky Pitbulls back, Michael page, MVP taking on Derek Anderson, finally happening. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Josh Hill's back. Who's very underrated, underappreciated. I think Hoffy, uh, Rafion stats, patchy mix still fighting. There's a whole lot of names on this card. I'm about to list them all, but, uh, yeah, next week's card. It's really kind of fell on into shambles. There's still some pretty good fights on it, but you know, we've, it's taken some hits, obviously. Um, some fighters who I don't even know if Tyler Santos is still going to be fighting on that card. She was supposed to take on Roxanne Modafari. Um, that one's just kind of rough. There's still some high points, like I said. And then this week's is pretty solid, too. But it's really hard not to love that Bellator 258, man. And uh, I'm excited for you, Mike. I can't wait to see you there. I won't be there, but see you at it. <laughs> yes. Jed, is Bellator winning the uh, the handicap match against the UFC here? Yeah, all day. It has the best middleweight in the world fighting on it. Of course, it's of course it's <laughs> again. He's taking on Rumble Johnson. That's pretty cool. Like when you have the middleweight champion of the world competing, like it's going to be better than Cowboy versus unnamed opponent at this point. So yeah, give me that. Give me the Bellator card all day. All right. Well, personally, like Jen, like Drake said, I am. Uh, I will be there. I'll be there out there on Wednesday in beautiful scenic Uncasville, Connecticut. First time on the road since. I covered UFC 244 pre-MMA fighting, so I am pumped to get back out there and do the damn thing. But with all that said, the point for round four goes to... Where everybody's pointing. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, you guys have watched the show long enough. Because we got to do the knockout round. It's our version of a tiebreaker. One question... Neither of these gentlemen know where we're going with this, although they have both traveled this road before for a little bit of a teaser, and they will each have one minute to speak with all of you, and once that is done, we will turn it over to Casey Lydon, the judge, who will be taking in the comments, which could help sway his decision, and a champion will be crowned and will enter the chaos of um, next week's uh, very I'm, I'm sorry, I, I have to make an interruption. I'm sorry. Um, uh, something's changed. Um, we actually have a guest judge coming in today. Oh, wow. So many things. Because we have a three-way tie right now, guys. Like, Mike has two points, too. So, <laughs> let me... We've never had this happen. Let me see who this guest judge is. Oh, here he is. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> the swerve. You're the evil. Swerve. Wow. Alex Bailey. But my ability to contribute to the stuff we write on may depend on your answer here. Just 
Let that marinate. Well, there we go. Special guest judge, my best friend, Alex Kaylee. So I'm definitely winning this week on Between the Links. There's no doubt about it. But uh, but as I was saying, the winner of this matchup will be the champion for the very chaotic, very special 50th episode of Between the Links next week. More on that in a moment. But Jed, you are the champion. Not that it truly matters in this instance because of what this question entails, but uh, do you want to go first or do you want to let Drake go first? I'll take number two. All right, so we are back with the very popular final round segment known as What Am I Thinking? Yes, each contestant will choose a number between one and four, and each number has already been randomly selected with a fighter or somebody associated with the sport of mixed martial arts. They will then use their one minute to put themselves to the best of their ability in their fighter's shoes and say what this person could be thinking in this moment. So, Drake... We have four choices. Pick a number between one and four. I hate this game. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll, do, I'll take four. <laughs> ah, he's going with number four. He's going with the biggest superstar in the history of the sports, one Conor McGregor getting ready to fight <laughs> Dustin Poirier July 10th. Guys throwing charitable money and donations around, $500,000 to the Boys and Girls Club. Guys on Twitter, calling out everybody. Let's get one minute on the clock for Drake, Conor McGregor, Riggs. What are you thinking right now, Conor McGregor? Your time starts now. Uh, everybody's talking about uh, Nick Diaz coming back. That'd be a good fight. I could slap him around. I already slapped around his brother twice. Oh, man, would love to do it. Just add more Diaz's to the, the name here in my resume. That'd be a good one. Uh, handing out some charity money here. Not for a good fight foundation. That's, uh, you know, I said I would do it, but change my mind. But I'm still going to hand some out, be very nice, and maybe get, get Dustin a little bit uh, riled up because I'm coming for him this time. He doesn't... I don't think he realizes the little pee head that uh, you know, I'm changing things up, going back to the old notorious, and he's not going to see it coming. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm losing it. Um, I don't know, man. I give up. <laughs> I choked. Uh, All right. Hey, listen. Take the L. I'm taking the L. Listen, Connor. Connor's had some rough moments on the mic as well, so maybe this is a this is an accurate representation of the former featherweight lightweight champion of the world. So, I'm also thank you, Connor. <laughs> yes, so, Jed is also awful at this. You're um, very much in, in play here. I am not good at this game. Yeah, you're you're a plus one ten dog right now, Drake. You are right smack in the mix. This is a pick 'em with one minute to spare. So. Dre, uh, Jed, he took number four off the table. One, two, or three. What do you got? I'm, I got to go with the same number as my ranking in BTL all time. Number one, baby. You, sir, are a man who has had a, a rough month. You've had a pretty rough month. You suffered a loss. You got back in there. But before you got back in there, your loss was overturned to a no contest. And then you fought again last night at one on TNT four and you suffered another loss. You are the former UFC lightweight champion, Eddie Alvarez. One minute on the clock, Eddie Alvarez. What are you thinking right now? Your time starts now. Man, things have just not gone my way lately. And I'm not sure why. Cause I, 
I still feel as good as I ever felt, you know, I've, but moving to one has been much more difficult than I think I imagined, you know, maybe I should have stayed in the UFC. I could have angled for a rematch with Conor McGregor. Maybe I could have talked my way uh, into Habib, but I got to say, getting my ass kicked on the other side of the world by a bunch of guys that nobody's ever heard of, that's, that's not doing wonders for my legacy here. Uh, one is pretty cool, so I guess I got that going for me, and they still seem committed to to building behind me, but Patrick kind of threw some darts at me after I got beat again, so, you know, I'm, I'm at a bit of, I still think I'm the underground king, but I'm not showing it. I'm, I guess if I had to think about it, I would sum up my thoughts with, with really one phrase, Mike, and that phrase would be, happy birthday, AK. <laughs> Ah, uh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Eddie Alvarez. Uh, and, and just for those wondering, number two was Marvin Vittori, who's getting ready to fight Israel Adesanya on June 12th. Number three was a man looking for representation, Mr. John Jones, who uh, has been in the news quite a bit lately. Is, uh, he's trying to get himself a heavyweight championship fight. So there you go. Hoping, those are the other two. Weidman would be one, and I would just scream for a minute. Just be like, ah. Uh, <laughs> We haven't given the final decision yet. This this, this could dark, this could man. sway. <laughs> Too the, uh, soon. <laughs> yes, but uh, we're gonna head over to the judge in a minute. Our very special guest judge. We'll let the responses roll in from the peeps. But uh, just a heads up: PFL coverage going on right now over at MMAfighting.com. If you're watching live, this pertains to you. But tomorrow, we're back with a live preview show ahead of UFC Vegas 25. Details to follow. We'll have our pre-fight show with all of you 30 minutes before UFC Vegas 25 kicks off on Saturday. Live post-fight show when the dust settles with Reyes and Berhashka. And then the man in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, AK Lee and I, we're going to talk some matchmaking on Sunday with on to the next one looking into the future for the big winners on Saturday's card. But now, speaking of winners, it is time to crown one right now. Time to crown a champion who will get two prizes. More on that in a moment, but it is time for the the emperor of negativity, as he's being named the alter ego of the Prince of Positivity, Mr. Alex K. Lee, to make that always difficult decision. AK, who's the champion? I mean, after that final round... How can I not be a little negative? Uh, I see some people <laughs> in the comments that are being very generous to our two uh, our two warriors here. Uh, uh, with JK saying this might be this might be difficult for journalists. They they practice to listen and not impose a narrative, not imagine themselves in an outside perspective. No, guys, no excuses. Come on now, you guys you guys are better than that. Aaron is saying. It's hard for a nice guy like Drake to be a D-bag like McGregor. Okay, fair enough. True. I did see him. I did see him struggling with that. Thank you. There's the, there's the comment up there. Thrown up by the truck. Uh, every fiber of my being wants to go against Jed. He opened first with a threat, uh, threatening not to uh, assist me in this week's <laughs> Misfits, which was great. Ended with a mixture of pandering and also a phrase that annoys me. So it, it was a hell of a strategy by Jed. Uh I would have liked to have seen either of you do a little bit more of an impression when it comes to these things. Uh, I know, I, I, Drake, I understand doing an Irish accent would be, uh, you know, I was very close to doing it. Difficult, <laughs> difficult, potentially embarrassing, uh, borderline actionable, depending, you know, how, how far you went with it. So probably best not to go in that direction. Uh, uh, look, I actually thought, actually, I, Jed, I actually thought you did a, did a pretty good job, Drake. I know it was, I know it was tough. Like I said, I've had to do this one before. It's not easy. 
Uh, my Leon Edwards impression was, uh, you know, not exactly the most accurate English accent, but it was in the ballpark, I like to think. Uh, and, and, and Drake, I would have liked to just confidence, Drake. Confidence, because, you know, if you don't, I always say, you know, fake it till you make it. Uh, so you faltered a little bit. I will have to give it to Jed, who I did think, even, even Drake, I think if you, if you had done like a great, a great, great job, uh, you know, I think I think Jed's a, a little bit stronger. Okay, so, okay, do it. I I I know, I know. So so do, do it right. Do it that, right. Do it right. Of course, of course. Having said all that, I have rendered my decision. <laughs> Smooth and still, Jed Mishu. There we go, Jed Mishu. The trilogy. I am, I am shocked. <laughs> I thought Happy Birthday AK was a pander to the booth, not to you. I thought that alone would get you like, through this guy. Look, Drake Drake so went, went 15 rounds with the villain, Jed Mishu. I have nothing but respect for, for Drake, and I'm sure we will see him on uh, BTL again. So great job, Drake. But yes, the, this, the, today's winner based on uh, last, just on that last round, Jed Mishu. Understandable. It was a hell of a, it's been a hell of a three weeks between these two gentlemen. But uh, Jed, you've come out on the other side. You took an L and then you bounced back with two consecutive victories to to win the trilogy. Drake will 100% be back on this program. But uh, 30 seconds to talk about what this victory means to you. What's going on in the MMA world that you like to speak about? Again, I'm honestly stunned. I really, like I was intentionally fire and darts at AK and I thought he would punish me for it. So AK, I'm totally down to work tomorrow. I'm excited about it now. Uh, otherwise, I just want to say shouts to Chris Weidman. I may have cracked a bit of a joke about it earlier, but uh, that's horrific and he seems to be in super good spirits about it uh, and handling it as well as could be expected. So everybody involved in that, Uriah Hall had maybe the most perfect post-fight interview I've ever heard with the result of that. And so uh, we didn't talk about it on today's episode, but uh, I'm glad Chris Wyden is, is doing well and seems to be handling this, you know, with a sense of, of uh, amusement or, you know, looking on the bright side of life. So, yeah, shouts, shouts to the man. Before we reveal the second of Jed Mishu's two prizes, Drake Riggs, any any final thoughts from you after spending 15 rounds with this man? That's like over almost four. It's over probably over four hours of your life you've spent with this man. Four too many. Nah, I'm kidding. You guys, it's, it's been great, honestly. Uh, thank you so much, you know, for having me on, Mike. Always a pleasure getting to work with all you fine folk at MMA Fighting. And I'm very excited for next week's edition, whether I'm on it or not. Uh, it's going to be very fun. Everybody will let you know that much. And um, if I'll do a quick shameless plug, uh, just dropped interviews with Alima Leigh McFarlane. got uh, Jessica Penne coming soon. Uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez, who is a good prospect at a Lux in Mexico. So I'll just leave you there with those and follow me on Twitter at Drake Riggs underscore. And thank you. Uh, was it uh, JK for saying I got some legit stories. It means a lot, sir. There you go. Alex Kaylee, the Prince of Positivity. Uh, also, Jed, to reveal the prize you will also be receiving, you will enter the 50th episode of BTL as the champion, but a difficult road awaits you because next week we're doing a Royal Rumble, a gauntlet-style edition where it won't just be two people for the whole show. It will be several people spread out throughout the program. So we're going to start with two people. It might be Jed first. 
It might not be. It's a luck of the draw, but they're going to debate a topic once that ends. Whoever wins that round moves on, and that cycle will continue against a new opponent until only one man remains, and that man will be the champion. Could be a woman, too. Little teaser. We've had past champions already confirmed for the program, including some rivals of Jed Mishu, Jose Youngs, Sean Alshadi, and the list will continue to be finalized over the next seven days. But that will be fun. We hope you will join us. Until then, we are done. Jed, do you have anything you want to say? Because you get that look Just on your so face. Clear. Just so we're clear. I'm three and one on Jose. That ain't a rivalry. That's some John Jones DC stuff. Like let's let's just be clear about rivals that I have. You Wait, cheated in I'm one of them then. Yeah, I'm a rival <laughs> with Drake Ricks. Like that's Drake, come on back next week. You can get that work again. Everybody can get it. I'll enter number one. I don't care, Mike. I'll still be standing at the end of it. But let's <laughs> let's not give Jose credit that is not due. Three and one. We're we're done here. My child is doing pretend painting with a, uh, a knee hockey stick behind me. So, again, you never know what you're going to see on this program. We're done for Drake, Jed, Casey on the production, AK with the judging. I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of in Grayson 2. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn, I think. I think is going to take you out here, but we'll see you next week right here for episode 50 of Between the Links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Happy birthday, AK. Stop that. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.